I met my wife running. I've met most of my best friends running. I've traveled the world and I've gone to some incredible places that, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have visited if it wasn't for running. That's the voice of Fitness Plus trainer Corey Warden-Malcolm on how running and the communities he's gained on his journey have shaped his life. Corey is also an author and his debut book, All You Need Is Rhythm and Grit, is out on 11th of January. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN. And this week, we're talking about running and specifically running communities and what the running world will look like in the years to come. If you're thinking about starting to run, as a lot of us are at this time of year, you'll also get some special tips in this episode. Corey, we're on the start line, but before we start running, can you introduce yourself for listeners? Yes, of course. My name is Corey Wharton Malcolm. I'm an Apple fitness trainer, a running coach, and a writer, and the proud author of a book called All You Need Is Rhythm and Grit. Amazing. Now, was there a pivotal moment, person, time in your career that you believe has got you to where you are today? So there've been sort of a a bunch of people that have come along at different intersections in my life. And I think the first person was a guy called Eugene Minogue, and he used to work at Westminster Sports Unit. I used to be a a guardian, as it were. So I would walk around the street, just sort of helping people out. I walked into a sports centre one day because I'd spoken to a group of young people who were causing a little bit of trouble. And I just walked in and was like, hi, can I speak to someone in charge? I'd like to set up a football team, please. And this guy, Eugene Minogue, he came outside and he was like, you can't just set up a football team. You need your FA level one. You need your health and safety. You need your first aid. But if you want to do all of that, just work for me for free and I'll pay for it all for you. Wow. Exactly. (laughs) So he was the first person that kind of put me on this path to working in community spaces and engaging with sports. And then after that, it was a young lady called Patricia Fairclough. That was the first sort of community sports course that I did. And it was called the Community Sports Leadership Award. And that opened my eyes up to a different way of coaching. It made me a little bit more humble, a little bit more gracious. And then I guess one of the final chapters was meeting a guy called Charlie Dark, who introduced me to a completely different world, um, tying community, creativity, poetry, writing, music, all the kind of things that I was into. And that is probably the biggest pivotal moment that changed everything. A guy called Charlie Dark. So what was the trigger that made you fall in love with running? So the trigger was once again, many fold. But the first thing that really, really got me interested in running was I went to go and watch the London Marathon. A friend of mine who actually worked with at Westminster Sports Unit, a young lady called Samantha Bell, she sort of came into our office and changed all of our habits. So instead of eating sweets, chocolates, etc., kebabs, she was like, no, we should eat salads and all that sort of stuff. Back then, people frowned upon eating salads. Now everyone loves a salad. She said to me, I'm going to run the London Marathon. And I was like, oh, amazing. And then me and all of the people in the office, we went to go and watch it. Now I've been living in London my entire life. I'd seen it on television, but I'd never gone to see it in person. So I went to go and see it in person. And I was like, this is amazing. Like there are all of these people running all different body types, all different sexes, different demographics, different ages. And everyone is so happy. Everyone's cheering for each other. And I was like, I want to be part of this. So I said to my friends, I'm going to run next year. They laughed. 
And I was like, even if I wasn't serious then, now I'm serious. <laughs> I'm going to prove these people wrong. <laughs> I'm going to prove these people wrong. So I ran it the following year. Worst experience of my life. A friend of mine who's a really, really big runner, in fact, she writes about it for a career. And I remember after she had finished her first marathon, she said she thought she was going to have this feeling of euphoria as she crossed the finish line. <laughs> and she didn't. She absolutely hated it. And she was back again and again and again. And now she gets the feeling of euphoria, but she had the first one that did not exist. It was horrible. You kind of go through this cycle of emotions throughout the entire marathon. And then when you cross the finish line, a number of things happened, as in I've run a few of them. Sometimes I'll break down and cry. Sometimes I will be like, thank goodness that has finished. And there'll be other times where I'm not saying you feel empty, but you kind of cross the finish line. And you're like, oh, that's finished. That was a journey and on to the next one. But my first one, I cried and cried and cried. And I was like, I will never do this again. What a horrible experience. And then I woke up the following day and I was like, I must do better. And then signed up for another one. What is your advice to someone who has never run and is thinking about it? What should they do? They should find a comfortable pair of trainers or whatever it is that you want to run with. Find something comfortable to wear and literally step out the door. And whether you start off by walking for a minute, running for a minute, walking for a minute, running for a minute, or just getting to the bottom of the road, just get out there, breathe that good air. Or if you want to do it on a, on a treadmill, like literally one minute on, one minute off. That's how I started. Like just get to the bottom of the road, just get out there. But also understand that it may be terrible. Like I always say this to people, it could be the worst experience of your life, but that doesn't mean that the next one isn't going to be the best experience of your life. Like my advice is to leave space to let it in. Wow. Amazing. In your new book, All You Need Is Rhythm and Grit, you write, I've navigated my way from fat dude who ate masses of cake to runner to one of the head running coaches and advisor to the biggest sports brand in the world and then on to one of the biggest companies in the world. That's quite a journey. How do you reflect on that? I still have days where I have pinch me moments. I still wake up every morning and my mind is still blown away that this is my job. And it all started Westminster Sports Unit in a little office with a notepad and a pen and me scribbling down ridiculous ideas. Like that's literally how it started. And it gives it gives me so much joy that I'm able to tell I'm able to tell that story and live that story and show sort of young people that it is possible. I'm very, very nostalgic. In one of my phones, I have 200,000 photographs and I, yes. I think I've got a lot of <laughs> photographs and I do not have that many. <laughs> and I spend a lot of time just looking at old photos or looking at old videos and I'm like, dude, like we did that. Like me and my friends, me and my community, we did that. And I know full well that I couldn't have done it without the support of my community, without the support of my loved ones, without the support of those mentors. Some of them I've mentioned, I haven't mentioned all of them. So sorry if I didn't mention you, <laughs> but it's amazing that I'm able to reach so many people working with the brands that I've worked with. Like for instance, when I was at Nike, I would have people come up to me in train stations and be like, I recognize your voice. I don't know where I recognize it from, <laughs> but I recognize your voice. 
or I'll get DMs that will say I was not in a very, very good place. And just listening to your positivity helped to get me in a better place. And now I'm at Apple. Can you tell us a little bit more about, not all of our listeners will have heard of Apple Fitness or they may have heard of it, but they don't really know. What what does your job entail as an Apple Fitness instructor? My job entails, it is many fold, but the two parts of my job are, I am the lead time to run coach. So time to run is part of Fitness Plus and it is a, I guess, immersive audio guided run. So say for instance, the first one that we did was in London. And what happens is, is whatever location it is that I go to, I get dropped off in that location. I plan a route and I sort of, tell people about what's on the route. So when I went to London, it was, ah, this is wonderful route that I used to do when I was in London. It goes through the Royal Parks and here are all of the things that you see on the way. And then every so often I will stop and I will take a picture. And then as you're running along, that picture pops up on your phone or on your Apple Watch. As me and my wife and many of my close friends discuss, I still look at myself as, I'm just Corey. I'm just a dude from Southeast London who's really passionate about running and really passionate about helping other people find their joy. And I think I'm in a really privileged position because not everyone gets to do that. Like I get to live my dream. I literally get paid to be myself. And that's not something that I ever thought would be possible. That's so cool. Talk to me a little bit about the landscape of running communities, because clearly that is part of the drive and you fell in love with running, watching people running together. Whereas I think lots of people think of it as a kind of solitary activity rather than a team sport, which is almost how you've described it. Running for me is definitely a team sport, but I also want to highlight the fact that regardless of how many people are out there supporting you, regardless of how many people are out there running with you, when it comes to you being out of the road, it is just you in your head. And you have to work out different ways of managing you by yourself in your head when your community isn't there. But running is most definitely a big community team sport because since I guess I found this beautiful, wonderful space back in sort of 2012, 2013, I have traveled the world and met so many amazing people. Like I met my wife running. I've met most of my best friends running. I've traveled the world and I've gone to some incredible places that to be honest, I probably wouldn't have visited if it wasn't for running. I probably wouldn't have run the amount of races that I have run if it wasn't for my community. Because on the days when you kind of don't really want to run or you don't want to travel to this place, you kind of just want to stay in bed your team, your friends, your community are there to offer support, but also works in the opposite way. Like I love seeing the success of the, the, the people that have run with us either from the beginning or they joined yesterday, but probably one of the most beautiful things about our running community is watching young people come into the space who have, I guess, feelings about community, feelings about running, feelings about the world. And you watch that change right before your your eyes through the power of running. And that's not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes time. But watching like that little seed grow into this beautiful tree, it's amazing. 
there's something quite egalitarian about running. Like you just need to get up and do it. You can do it with fancy shoes and you can do it with fancy kit, but you you can just run. My brother-in-law barefoot runs. I mean, he's a slightly alternative, but he doesn't wear shoes. It doesn't matter where he's running. He runs barefoot and is quite passionate about that. So, I mean, you literally can do it by just walking out of your front door. And that's amazing. And that's one of the things that I try and tell everyone as when I started, I couldn't get to the bottom of the road. And all I say to people is that you just need to treat running like that. All you need to think about is getting to the bottom of the road or to the next tree or to the next car. Like just pick a point and don't beat yourself up about either getting there or not getting there. I know that sounds weird. It sounds like I'm saying, oh, it's okay to fail. Well, it is okay to fail. But what I'm saying is, is there's nothing wrong with failing because you've gone out and you've tried and the next day you can try and get a little bit further. Yeah. Are running communities different to other sporting communities that you've got experience of? That's a great question. I think communities all over the world in all spaces, they all have their positives. But I think the difference between running communities and other communities, and I'd even go so far as to say communities which are heavily into some kind of cardio for some strange reason that cardio allows your friendships or relationships to fast track themselves and the reason why i say fast track themselves is because you're kind of in this vulnerable space and you're feeling very very open and if you're going for a two or three hour run, and I'm not saying everybody does, but if you're marathon training or half marathon training, which a lot of people are in these running communities, you're out on a 90 minute run or a two hour run or a three hour run with essentially strangers in the beginning. But think about your normal friendships. How often do you sit with someone just for three hours and just talk? And that's what running is. And that I think is one of the biggest differences between running communities and maybe other communities. We've been through a lot more together over a short period of time. So we're a little tighter knit. So how do how does one, if you're not a runner or maybe you're a solitary runner, how do you go out and find your running tribe? You go out and find your running tribe by being willing to be vulnerable, just putting yourself out there as in like how I found all of my running communities is research and stumbling upon them like say for instance the first running club that I joined when I first started it was a running club called Dulwich Runners and I was running solo for most of the time and there was this hill that I used to climb in Sydenham called a wedding cake and I always used to see this running club like just flying up there and they were always so nice and positive they were like oh hey 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 and I was like, oh, who are these people like killing me <laughs> as we run up this hill? <laughs> and then I kind of saw their shirt and I was like, oh, cool, Dulwich Runners. And I literally researched Dulwich Runners and I was like, oh, let me drop them an email because that was way back then. But now it's so much easier. You just go onto Instagram. Like we get DMs in our Trap Mafia DMs all the time. It's like, hey, we either saw your Instagram or we Googled running clubs or we looked for this or looked for that and we found that. And we have it all the time. People will come down. They'd be like, oh, hey, we're here for the first time. And you welcome them. And they either come back or they don't come back. And a lot of people have come and then said, ah, oh, I really, really like it. And then they'll disappear. But then they'll reappear like a year later. And that's the beauty of running. Like You've sowed a seed or something there exactly. that they can't quite 
can't quite forget. That's really amazing. Okay, I'm going to go back to more fun topics now and we're going to try and get to know you a little bit better. So these are the reoccurring questions I ask all my guests. Don't think too hard, just first thing that comes into your head. When are you happy? Oh, when I'm breaking bread with my family. Nice. What is your worst characteristic? (laughs) Probably messiness, occasionally. (laughs) Would your partner agree with that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she would agree, but she would caveat that it's more disorganized than than messy. As As in, I know where the thing is in the pile. It just so happens that the pile exists. Right, okay. <laughs> Movement is medicine. What's your response to that statement? Facts. A beautiful way to heal the body as it's helped to heal both my head and heart. What time of day is your favourite? Oh, uh, first thing or last thing? Okay. Any reason particularly for those times? So, first thing, there is no one around and it's really, really quiet. Last thing, it's really, really dark and really, really quiet. As in, so when I first started running, I used to hate running in the morning. I would run around midnight when nobody else was out there. And first thing, because most mornings I get up and watch the sun come up on the balcony. What is the last song you listened to? Probably Laps by Getz. What is the theme of your current daydreams? Oh, so I have two daydreams at the moment. One is about my book, We Need Is Rhythm and Grit, about whether or not people are going to read it. (laughs) And my second one is about another book that I'm working on. I don't have a a deal or anything like that. Just really, really want to write a fantasy fiction or magical realism about some kind of super character, which is a little bit like me, but with superpowers. I mean, that's, you know, in a two book deal, those are two very, very different (laughs) books. (laughs) What is your go-to dish when you're cooking? Jerk chicken, rice and peas, salad. And who was the last person to applaud you and what was it for? My boss and it was in a briefing and he was really happy with something that I had, not even I had, that me and my team has presented and he was very happy. Lovely. You're very good at giving credit to others. You're very generous with your credit of others. You have to be. And when I say you have to be, when you have been on a journey like mine, I I haven't got here by myself. So I think you should give people the flowers when they can hold them. So I'm always trying to hand out flowers. Okay. So we're going to, you know, the podcast is all about, you know, the future of how we're going to live our lives. What do you envisage in the future for running, for running communities, for, for movement, for health, all of those things? What's your prediction? So the future of running, like I just see more creativity, more community. What I've realized is there are more women and girls participating there are more people participating in ultra races more trail races there are more black and brown people participating in races there are more people sort of saying i don't like what happened at this race or i don't like how this race is behaving let's let's do something about it running communities are far more empowered nowadays Because what I've noticed as well is looking in these running spaces, whether it's going to races, going to to runs, I've noticed that there are, this is going to sound weird, but whether or not there has been an increase, an official increase in participation, when I'm out on the ground, it appears that there are way more people running and there are way more people running at all spectrums of running. 
So say, for instance, at the faster end of running, there are way more people running faster marathons. So before it used to be about, oh, like, can I get a BQ? Now it's not necessarily about getting a BQ. We're all, as in a Boston qualifier, like people are going for actual times. It's like, I want to run a 245 or I want to run a 231. And then at the opposite end of running, there are far more people who are running closer to the back of the pack. Those people are getting a lot more love. As in, I remember when I was way, way, way at the back of the pack, the the races would be shut off, shut down. You'd have to run on the pavement. The roads would already be open. There'd be someone behind, like literally sweeping you up. Like, are you finished yet? Are you finished? (laughs) (laughs) Whereby now, take for instance, New York Marathon, they actually celebrate the fact that there are people who are going to be running a little bit slower or they're going to be walking, but they're doing it for a cause. So they encourage people to come back and cheer those later finishes on when that wouldn't have happened all of those years ago. And I I think it's a beautiful thing. You talked a little bit about brands and running communities creating their own, but you've also talked about the collaboration. And there are, let's face it, there are big marquee brands that dominate this particular sport and many other sports. What does the future look like for them? What, What would be your advice to brands? They need to continue to work on sustainable ways of working with communities. I would say do your research about the organization or the communities that you're trying to engage with. And I guess remaining sensitive to the needs of individual groups. They elevated what I was doing. They elevated what we were doing. It's about offering an opportunity to elevate what people or communities are already doing. So I speak about it like that when I talk about my career. It's like when I first started, I was kind of sat at a desk by myself, whispering into the void. And then sort of the next time, not even the next time when I started with working, when I started working with other people, I kind of got this, this, this little mic and more people could hear me. And then the next place I went on to, I got a little loud hailer and the crowd grew and more people. So my messaging hasn't changed. Like I say the same kind of things that I've said from the very beginning. I guess I'm just a little bit more articulate. (laughs) Are you more anxious or hopeful about the future of running communities? Ah, definitely hopeful definitely hopeful. And the reason why I'm hopeful is regardless of who they're running with, if there are more people running, it's better for the world because as we've said, movement is medicine. Corey, this has been amazing. You are beautifully articulate. You have so many good phrases. You've got so much good advice. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much to Corey Wharton Malcolm, running coach and author of All You Need Is Rhythm and Grit, for joining us today to discuss running, different communities, and its future. Next week, WGSN's Create Tomorrow podcast is back with another episode about the colour of the year. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN. I'll see you next time.